0: You for your great health and concern. Um, you know, every every new year, everyone is thinking about what they're going to do this year. You know, if you haven't spent some time thinking about what is one thing that you want to change, not many things, because we, when we make this crazy list, it's discouraging in December, right? I, I want you to think about one thing. If you were to take one thing this year to really change and grow or to tackle, you'd be a much happier Christian if you focused on one thing. So, a long time ago, there was a guy in a movie called City Slickers. His name was Curly. And he, he said, there's this one thing, and the guys never, could never figure it out, what, the, what it was. Because for, for every one of us, it's different. Our one thing is different from yours. Mine's different from yours. So yours is different from mine. But there's one thing that is already starting to surface in your mind, about what you want to work on this year. And I encourage you to pick one thing. Because Curly says it's the one thing. Love that movie. Great actor. Okay. There are many things that you could do this year. And there are many things that you will do this year. But there's one thing you must do this year. And I'm not going to tell you what that is. You know what it is. You know what it is for you. And that's important. You know already in your mind, here's... Here's something that I really have to get after this year. And I'm going to give you some suggestions this morning, okay? Maybe it's a habit you need to break. Maybe you've created an unhealthy habit. Maybe it's eating. Maybe it's just waking up late. Maybe it's just you're, you're, you've checked out. You're not even getting up to read your Bible anymore. Maybe you made a habit. That you're going, i got to break it. I'm going to have a, to change something. It's a habit. It's something, Okay? Maybe it's a goal you must accomplish. For all you uh, men that think in goals, goals, hey, there's something that I want to accomplish this year. Well, what is that? What do you want to accomplish? One thing. Maybe it's a project you have to complete. Maybe it's your wife's project you have to complete. <laughs> but I want it to be your one thing, not your wife's one thing. Your one thing. Okay? It's going to be more meaningful to you, not better at the end of the year. I did what my wife wanted me. You should do that, guys. But I want you to have your own one thing. Okay? A project. Maybe it's a relationship you must restore. Maybe it's been a fracture. Maybe there's been a a breakup, so to speak. And you know you need to restore it. And relationships are so emotional. And they're so heart-wrenching. And it's hard. You've been putting it off for a while. But, you know, maybe it's that one thing you need to restore back in your life is the relationship you've, that's been broken. Maybe it's a problem you need to overcome. Maybe you've developed an unhealthy problem in 2013. Maybe, maybe you drink too much. How do you know that? Because someone's probably said to you, you drink too much. That's how you know. If someone in your life has told you, you drink too much, you probably have a problem with that. That's a good way of indicator of knowing whether you have a problem. Maybe it's just watching too much TV. You know this holiday season we saw the the movie? You know, when I I, I titled this Less Than One Thing, it reminded my kids of a One Direction song. Uh, I I think I heard it once. I I don't don't know the lyrics, but... We saw the movie! We broke down, we paid the five bucks, and we saw One Direction. I remember seeing my son Jaden start grooving it. One direction. My daughter was like in love. Said, Honey, they're, they're just on TV. Yeah. And, you know, this is the story of them growing up, the story, and I, 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 you know, if they're an amazing group, bigger than the Beatles, they say, we'll see. No. All I'm going to say is we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, every one of us, if you haven't already, you know, you know, there's one thing. You know it. And you know it's true. Maybe it's not on this list. These are just suggestions. I'm just trying to get your brain to start working this morning. Maybe there's a debt you must retire. Remember, a, you're, you're in your eyeballs and debt, and you need to retire that debt, and you need to just get rid of it. And some of you guys may be working on that right now. Maybe there's one thing. I'm just giving you suggestions. I don't know what it is for you, but there's one thing that you got to focus on. So I'm going to tell you a story about a guy named Nehemiah in the Bible, and he had one thing on his mind. But I've got to tell you and set up the passage for you so you understand why he chose this one thing. He was actually a very important person in one of the royal families of an empire that he was a subject to. Okay, So here's the history of Nehemiah in a situation. Back in a long time ago, when King David, even before his time, this whole area here was led by different judges, as we call it in the Bible this section you know how to judge it 's kind of like 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 counties or, or little governors, little states they all had one when, D, when, when King Saul was appointed king, he kind of rallied all the people of Israel and then David took over, and then Solomon took over and there was this one big united A family of God. It was called a monarchy. There was a king. It was amazing. He was defeating all the enemies around there. This was their place. This is where uh, God did great things through his people. But after King David died, his son Solomon did the same thing. But his son Solomon started to marry other women that had foreign gods. And that began to be a problem because one of the regulations of being a king was you had to honor the scriptures. And God warns them don't deviate from marrying other women. Even though you, you could, He wouldn't stop you, but the consequences were that you inherited their religion. You know, when you're married to someone, and you have two opposing religious views, it's challenging enough. Now, what happens is it, when their children grow up, they deviated toward these idols, these false gods. And so what happened was, they stopped relying on God, and they broke up into two segments. There was a northern part of Israel called Israel, and there was a southern part called Judah. Now, Israel has two different names. You could refer to this all being called Israel, but for our, our, our conversation and some of the scriptures refer to northern Israel as Israel. So this part of the country did not want to go down to Jerusalem to worship. So they say, hey, we have our own place up here. So they were separate. It was like northern California, and here's SoCal, baby, right there. There's SoCal, there's Northern California. So two different areas, two different kings, two different centers of worship. You can already see God's people being divided. Yeah. And so this caused a lot of problems. Because false gods were constantly being introduced, and there was not one king in northern Israel that actually obeyed God. Believe it or not, they had many kings, but not one was faithful to God. In the southern, they had they had, they had peppered of good and bad, kings of Judah. So, because of this, God sends another nation, because they stopped relying on him to protect them, they relied on false gods, an army comes to pay their homage, respect, by defeating them. And that is the country of Assyria. And they come over from across the way, and they come into the northern part of Israel, which is that part, and in 722, they ransack it, destroy it, it was done, and they start interbreeding. They force the women of, 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 of the Jewish women to, uh, to interbreed. They, they, you know, they rape them, they do whatever they can to interbreed them, so they breed out the Jewish nation. That was their policy. So that's what they did. And that's where they smashed a lot of babies along the way, because they, they, they brought you back into their country and they made you forget about your religion. But they didn't forget. Okay. Then after the Assyrians came, the Babylonians came. And the Babylonians, they conquered the lower part, which is called Judah. And you may remember a few famous guys from Judah. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. They all got taken as young men to the country of Babylon. And they changed their names. This is not your new God. But Daniel says, No, I will worship the one only God. And Shadrach and Meshach says, We're not going to bow down to your statue. They get thrown in the fire. The angel comes. You know the story if you're a Bible reader. It's a very powerful story. They did not give up on God. But their land was no longer their land. And so a lot of people end up growing up being born into this country into this into this culture that's not really spiritual and Nehemiah was one of those guys Daniel spent his whole life in a foreign nation after he was taken from Jerusalem he grew he spent the rest of his days there and Nehemiah grows up there and all he knows of Jerusalem all he knows is that the walls are broken down. All he knows is it's a national disgrace. It's humiliating. There was a God of Israel, a God in Jerusalem, but he is no longer with us because the walls have been destroyed because people have been unfaithful to him. And so he has in his mind this one thing. And he's risen to a position in the the kingdom of Babylon where he's the cupbearer to the king. In other words, he's like the wine taster. He makes sure that the king's food is not poisoned by his brother or by someone in the administration goes, here's your lunch, and they sprinkle some poison. He has to test the food first, and then he'll die if it's poisoned, and the king will be saved. That was his job. Cool job, huh? I wonder if he had a family. are like, that's a cool job. I don't think so. So he had this job, and not only is he like a cupbearer, but he's actually a friend of the king. And the king notices that he's very sad. He says, why are you sad? He goes, well, I just got a report that my, my city, that my heritage, my identity, my, my, my country, my people are in disgrace because the walls are broken down. He goes, hey, can I go back? He goes, hmm, yeah, I'll let you go back. He goes, I'll let you go back. I'll even, I'll even one-up you. I'll give you supplies to go rebuild it. And so Nehemiah sets himself away, but the king goes, you got to come back. You can go there and help. But you've got to come back. And that just tells you how the king viewed Nehemiah, a man of honor and conviction. And that's a very important role, because if the cupbearer got shady, the king's dead. If the cupbearer got corrupted, the king's dead. So that was a very special relationship. So the king honors his request to go back into Jerusalem, down here, to rebuild the walls. Because a city without walls during this time was ransacked, was taken advantage of by warlords that were outside the area. And when your city has no walls, they would go in there and they would take your property and they would tax you and they'd get rich based off your property. So the notion of, of rebuilding this wall, it violated the other guys around who were taking advantage. It was their economy. They were pillaging. They were taking stuff. They were farming stuff. They were, they were taxing you. They were making rich because there was no mayor or governor of Judah to protect them. There was no wall. There was nothing. So Nehemiah goes down there and the king appoints him the governor of Jerusalem. And so when you do that, you really start to annoy certain people who have vested interest and watching Jerusalem be disgraced because that's their money. And when you mess with the man's money, usually you start a war. Alright? Think about your think about when you get when you get cheated out of your of your bank account, which happened to my family five years ago. Someone wiped out our account, got our credit card information, and cleaned out our debit card. <laughs> the bank was like, you weren't a spending spree. I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> it was up in Palmdale. I didn't even go to Palmdale. <laughs> And you feel violated, you feel like, huh, someone messing with my money, so I called the police. Like they're gonna do something. But I called them anyway, because I was angry. And they came to my house and took a report. It's on the record, I called the police. So I called the police and took a record. Then the bank got involved, and they figured out some guy somehow got my little thing on the gas thing, and stole my number, and went shopping, and stole all my money. So, when you mess with someone's money, There's going to be problems. So this was the atmosphere that Nehemiah is going in to rebuild. He's got the king's support. But there are people that don't want to see him succeed. And there are things in your life, when you decide to change one thing, there will be opposing forces that are going to move against you. They will try to deny you of your one thing. The one thing you want to change, they will try to deny it from you. So here goes the story. And there's another map of the area of Babylonia. The Persian king takes over Babylonia. He's a great guy. He lets Nehemiah go by. He's pretty awesome. And here goes the story. And the king of that time with Nehemiah was King Artaxerxes. And he existed in 444 B.C. And Nehemiah was his cupbearer. And he lets him... Go rebuild that was his policy. his policy was like you know what if you're gonna, if I'm going to rule you, I want you to have your own religion, your own autonomy, I want you to succeed you know but I am the king know that and so he let people kind of have their own way, which was, which, uh, which was a, uh, a prophecy that God had predicted that the, the Jerusalem will be restored and people will come back. So this was the king that allowed that to happen. So here is the situation. Judea or Jerusalem was unprotected. And it was a national disgrace. And Nehemiah was, was feeling that. And so he decided, my one thing is I'm going to go back to my country and I'm going to rebuild this wall. And so the local governors and warlords, they don't want that. And so here goes the story of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 6, if you can turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen for you. If you're visiting with us, this is for you on the screen. If you're a Christian, we'd like you to open your Bibles up to kind of you can feel the words of God. Maybe maybe you have some dust on your Bibles. Go ahead and blow it off now. Just blow the dust off. Open the Scriptures up. It's very important to do that. So Nehemiah is in the process of building this wall, and there have been attacks. They got to build with the sword in one hand, and they're putting little stuff on the wall. I'm trying to build it. And these are big walls. It's not like eight foot wall. These are ginormous walls. And they've been under attack. Uh, these guys named Sambaleth, Tobiah, and Geshem. I don't think they're very common names today because they're very bad people in the Bible. It says now when it was reported to Sambaleth, Tobiah, to, to Geshem the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it Although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Sambalai and Geshem sent a message to me saying, now here is the situation. He's rebuilt the walls, but he's missing one of the most important parts, is the gate. As you know, the gate is where people go through. And he says, there is not a breach in the wall. There's not a, a part that's damaged. It's been restored. And when you think about your one thing, when you think about your one thing that you are going to work on this year, you've got to make sure there's no breaches in the wall or people can kind of climb over. He had not set up the gates, though. So there was, a, there was an opportunity. It wasn't totally complete. They were successful with the wall, but they needed the gates. And so here comes the opposing uh, province governors of that time, these three guys, Sambala, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab. And they said, Come! Let's meet together have lunch. <clears throat> Let's have breakfast. And Sarah, uh, at at Shepharim, in the plain of Ono, Shepharim is, is, is a Hebrew word for a village. Let's go meet in the village in the plain of Ono. Let's go meet in the neutral zone. Let's have lunch. Let's discuss your project. But they are planning to harm me, Nehemiah says. You know, Nehemiah is near completion of the one thing he wants to do and here are three guys. that says, come, on, let's just, "Come, come down from the wall. Come down. Come over here for a second. Let me take you off your wall. Let me take you off your goal. Let me take you when you're striving and going and being. T- Let me come in and not, and just meet with you." Because the plan was to kill. Him. If we kill Nehemiah. We get our economy back. We get back the things they were. We go back to the status quo of pillaging the Jerusalem city. There are going to be forces that will oppose you change. Spiritual forces of darkness, could be your boss at work, it could be anything that takes you off your goal. Be prepared and know that there will be some things that will oppose your desire to change your life. It could be a crisis. It could be anything. But be ready. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work And I cannot come down. And that is a phrase that I want to encourage you to memorize. That when the opposing force comes to stop your one thing, you say, wait a minute, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. For those of you that have little children that are in elementary school and you put them in bed and you you sit by their bed and and you pet their hair and you talk to them, You are doing a great work. I cannot come down. I cannot answer that phone. Ah, That show can wait because I'm doing a great work. Maybe it's your relationship with your teenager. Whenever, Whenever time they come home, you sit by their bed, try to catch them at a good hour, sit down with them. I am doing a great I cannot come down. There will be things that try to pull you away from your one thing. And Nehemiah says, hey, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. And that is a phrase that I hope you remember. Because whatever you're going to do, it's going to be great. And you're doing a great work. And you can't come down. You can't stop. You can't stop what you're doing because it's great work. That is a phrase. Maybe it's your your wife. Spending time with her. Or your husband. Encouraging your wife. You're doing a great work. Spending time with her is doing a great work. Understanding her is doing a great work. Especially during bowl season of college football, you're doing a great work. Even before the AFC and NFC playoffs, you're doing a great work. There are many things that will distract you from spending time with your family. But know this, you're doing a great work. You cannot come down. That's why God invented TiVo. (laughs) For this reason, was to save your family. (laughs) So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work, can I come down? Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Why would you stop your one thing in progress to be distracted by something else? And there are many distractions that will come to you. And Nehemiah says, I will not be distracted. I will not be deterred. I have one thing on my heart, one thing on my mind, and I'm going to do it. And that's his, that's his statement. I'm doing a great work. And they sent messages to me four times in this manner. You think they're going to go away the first time? No, 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 no. They're going to come right back at you. One time, two times, three times, and four times. And he, you know what? He answers them in the same way. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. And you're thinking about your life and your one thing I hope you're thinking about it. I'm doing something <coughs> great don't let it last a month and I hope this message goes on the website and you can listen to it again because you're going to need to be reminded because he answers them in the same way then Samuel sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time wow. with an open letter in his hand it is written, it is reported among the nations, and Gashmu says, I don't know who Gashmu is, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. So he accuses them of something very serious a rumor. <laughs> you know, there's an old 80s song that I used to love growing up. If you go in the 80s rap scene, uh-uh. you love the song. It says, How do rumors get started? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're starting by the jealous people and they get mad when something they had and somebody else is holding <laughs> that rap song got made into my sermon because this fit in scripture somebody else is now holding what they had and they don't like it so when you hear that on 92.3 on the radio because that's still one of my stations when I went a rumor that he is now revolting against the very king who gave him permission. And that's not not a crazy story. That happens. They start their own little kingdom, and the king gets word, and all of a sudden he annihilates Nehemiah. So let's see what happens. Therefore you are rebuilding the wall because you're trying to rail. And you are to be their king according to these reports. You know, sometimes when you're trying to change something, someone just goes scandalous on you. Someone just starts a rumor. Someone just says something that's so out there, so wrong, and so distracting, and so m- emotional, and you are messed up, and you are angry, and you're, you're upset about it, and then you forget your one thing. You forget why you started it. You forget what you're doing. And this was a Nehemiah situation. He's doing a great work, and he cannot come down. He's like, You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah! So what, what, what he's saying is that what would happen is like, you get your buddies to say, you're a prophet now, and a prophet held a lot of weight, and if you said you're the king, the people would say, hey, he's the king, that's God's prophet. So the report is, you got a prophet to t- say, there was a king in Judah. And he's just a cupbearer. He's the guy that his mission is to go here, rebuild the wall, uh, establish God's glory again, and then go back and work for the king. That's all he wanted to do. But there are these rumors are flourishing around the area. A report is being drawn up against him. And Nehemiah, you could could just feel the tension. You can feel the, the, the seriousness of this accusation. And that will be reported to the king according to these reports. Now, the king is going to get these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Now do I have your attention, Nehemiah? Do I have your attention now? The king will find out about these reports. Come, let's have lunch. Let's get some breakfast. Let's have a D time. Let's have a disciple disciple time. There will come a time when you're at work and you're just doing something great. You're on that project, and someone at work just railroads your project. They send that little email, a little <coughs> whisper at the water cooler. And there goes your reputation. It's out there. You're doing a great work. And I cannot come down to meddle with these silly reports. And that's what Nehemiah says.
1: For all of them are
0: trying to frighten us, thinking they'll become discouraged with the work, and it will not be done. But now, this is what Nehemiah was known for, praying on the moment, but now, O God, strengthen my hands. When there's opposition... To your one thing, you need to go to your knees and say, dear God, oh God, strengthen me. Because there will be moments throughout the year where you're going to want to say, you know, I was emotional on January 6th. I don't know what I was thinking. I should have said that that way. I didn't think it through. Oh God, strengthen my hands. You're going to need to remember that. Because there's going to be a time in June or July where you're going to be like, Oh yeah, I wrote that down in January. What happened to it? Oh God, strengthen my hands. That's why I don't want you to make a long list. Just just choose one thing. There's one thing that's on your mind right now. If it wasn't earlier, maybe it's on now. Maybe you need to spend more time with your family. Maybe you need to spend more time with your children. Maybe you need to read more informational books, which I'm reading a fabulous book right now on parenting by John and Carrie Louie, called Good Enough Parenting. How to to emotionally connect with my children. Great book. Learning a lot. A lot of 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 psychology studies. A lot of good information. A lot of spiritual background. Good stuff. I'm doing that. Maybe sometime when you start taking your wife on a date. Maybe, wives, it's time you start, uh, you know listening more to your husband's leadership when he's trying to lead and you, you see it and instead of just going that's a, that's a terrible idea I have one better you know Amen. you know let the husband lead with that terrible idea it's actually encouraging him to try again and when he tries again he actually starts choosing better you know it's important that, you know, that's important for the wives to know that when, when the guys come out of their little, I want to leave. I want to leave. And the woman says, Well, about time you start leaving me. He's like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. Okay? It's important. It's important that we understand that. When the guys make a little effort, you know, women are expecting, like, yes, that's a hot heart. It's an effort for him. Honey, it's encouraging. It's encouraging, very encouraging. You know, yesterday my daughter, unbeknownst to us, was wearing her great grandma's diamond earrings. She, she got, she felt the morning with the family, and she put on these little diamond earrings, the real ones, not the zirconian ones, you know. And <laughs> I didn't even know that. I thought there was zirconian. We're like, oh, the cute zirconians, cute. And then we went ice skating at this the Valley Isoplex, and she knows. So, Dad, I'm missing an earring, and you look down, everything's shiny. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. So I'm skating around the ring trying to find it. And you know, your first reaction is to correct. What'd you bring? What'd you bring? What were you thinking? That's your first reaction. That's your gut. You just want to just correct her to death. Shame her forever and she'll never <laughs> wear good earrings again. That's your gut. That is your inside. You want to shame this child. But luckily I've been reading the book. <laughs> Luckily, I've read that chapter that I covered. When, when there's a moment there to connect, connect first. Empathize. She feels just as bad as I do about losing the earring. In fact, she probably feels worse than me. So saying, oh, honey, I'm so sorry you lost. I know how much that meant to you. And to watch her get closer to me versus like, Grandma, she's rolling over in her grave. <laughs> So it was a moment to connect there. It was a window to connect. And if I applied my father's principle, uh, he would have got the bell, it would have gone right down, right there. All the way to the car. But I, I read this chapter in my quiet time. I said, This is an opportunity to connect with her and empathize with her. They, thank God for Christian psychologists. You know? Like, yes. And so I saw it, and then, you know, there's nothing you know, we could do. we like, We'll look for it. And then we did an investigation that day. She lost the back of her earring in front of the mirror in her room. She's like, look, Dad, I found the back of the earring. I'm like, ooh, let's start the investigation. Let's stick around. And so we couldn't find it. We still can't find it, but we're looking around. She's like, hmm. She's like, maybe it fell around the house. So today after church, when we go home for the project, we'll look for a little diamond earring, try to find it in the home somewhere. It's so like, what if the dogs ate it? Well, then, I'm going in. I'm going in. I pick up their poop anyway. I'm going in. And there's just an oh, one thing I'm working on is I want to connect in, in in a crisis situation. I want to connect emotionally with my children and not react to the crisis. Because my nature is to react to the crisis and try to, you know, give them my conviction. I'm 42 years old. I've been a Christian almost 20 years. I have a lot of conviction. They're eight and 10 they can barely write them. So my, my best attack is to, to connect with them and console them and relate to them and then teach them about, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to bring diamond earrings to an isoplex because if they fall out, it's like fighting a needle in a haystack. It's, it's, it's If it fell there, it's a goner. And so that comes later. It's not like we avoid it. It just comes a little later versus my my gut reaction is that that was grandma's, right? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe your one thing is, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start giving to God. I haven't in a long time, but you know what, I'm going to give to God. I'm, I'm going to rearrange and reprioritize my finances so that I can give to God and advance the work of ministry in our community. Maybe that's one for you. Maybe it's bearing that debt, getting a plan. Maybe it's your vices. Maybe it's not just drinking. Maybe you're watching too much sensual TV. Maybe you're watching things on the show that aren't so appropriate for men to watch or women to to lust emotionally over. Why is my husband like that guy on TV? It's because he's an actor. He's an actor. He acts the part. He's been through three divorces in his private life. Okay? stand that when you're watching a movie or a show. Okay? Google their name and look at the divorce list, okay? It's very easy. They make them look so easy on the tube. Oh my, my husband's not like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay? We all have the same struggle. Okay? Maybe it's advice. Maybe this year, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more I'm gonna be evangelistic. You know, I, I I've toned it down over the years because I, for whatever reason I got busy, work, school, family. Maybe this is your year, like, you know what? I'm going to really help people. I'm going to really sow seeds of God's kingdom. That's my rule. I'm going to sow a lot of seeds this year. Maybe it's that spiritual thing you want to do. I'm just putting stuff out there for you. Maybe it's like, hey, you know what? I want to be more involved in the fellowship. You know, I've kind of been on the periphery. I'm on the outside a little bit. I'm a little I'm too comfortable around people. Maybe, Maybe this year I'm going to really immerse myself in relationships. You know? This is something that we want to encourage you to think about. Maybe you remember one of those guys. But you're not really plugged in. You're not really connected, not because you, you don't like us, but because you just are insecure at times, and you're like, you're busy, and you're kids, and you got challenges, and it's just ah, oh, I'm not sure. And so you just come on Sundays, but you miss the you know the, the during the week stuff that's going on. Maybe that's messing for you. Maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe you know, your know, guy gets back on track. I, you know, there was a time in my life where I was really on fire for God. I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I was doing so well in my relationships with God. I was doing great, but it stopped. Something happened. Something discouraged you. And that happens. Something that something discourages you, but make maybe it's your one thing. I don't know what it is for you, but I hope by by Amen. today's end you know what it is for you. And if you want to write it down, go right ahead. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't go to announce it on the rooftop. This is my one thing. You're not going to say that. That's something I would do. I'm like, that's my nature. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight. You're right. <laughs> right? I can stop saying that, by the way, because it's just, it's just I'm doing something else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something else. <laughs> now, I'm not stopping trying to work out. I'm still working out, but I got tired of saying, I'm going to do it and not do it. I just got tired of doing the Sambula to buy around my shoulders, giving me Big Macs. It was not good. So, so I'm going to still work on it, but it's not like my one thing, okay I actually worked out yesterday, my muscles are kind of sore this morning Okay. relationship with God maybe it's time for you to start one, maybe it's time for you you've been visiting our church, you've been coming and you've not made a decision to say, you know what I really want to start my relationship, I really want to understand what it means to be a disciple what it means to be baptized, maybe that's you I don't know but understand this I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I'm doing something great. I want to encourage you to memorize that. Put that in your heart. When you're thinking about your kids. After a long day of work at the office. After 80 hours a week of project. You come home into your house. Know this. I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. You're tired you're grumpy. You're hungry, and the husband walks in. That's that's probably ninety percent of men that will walk into their home at six o'clock at night, coming home. They're hungry. They're tired. They're stressed. But I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I hope you have a great new year. I welcome you for visiting, and we welcome to see you this year. Thank you very much. Bye.